Good morning, good morning. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Brock, and I'm the pastor here at Agape. And we're just so glad that you guys are here this morning, ready to worship together and, and dive into God's Word. Um, we're in the middle of a series called Bible Stories, in which we're walking through some of the parables that Jesus told. And uh, a parable essentially is a teaching method from biblical times where they would say a fictional story, and then uh, Jesus would tell a story that was fiction and, and bring meaning and application to our lives from it. And so it's been a great series just walking through this. But we're actually taking a break from that series this morning because uh, God on Thursday laid a message on my heart, and um, I ran it by the lead pastor, and he said it was okay if I preached it. And so... <laughs> um, so I'm going to go ahead, and we're just going to preach this morning on my favorite passage of Scripture. And um, I saw it in a whole new way this past week, and God revealed uh, a whole new meaning from this passage that I've preached many times before, and I've heard preached many times before. And there's one part in it that I've always been a little bit confused about, and I haven't really been able to add it up fully and make full sense of why this played out this way, and we'll see. Um, except for now, God revealed to me what I believe is the implications from this passage, and it all makes sense to me now, and it really spoke to me and encouraged me. And so we're looking at um, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. And yeah, this message really spoke to me and really encouraged me. And so I just wanted to share it with us. And I hope that it encourages us and speaks to some of us this morning. All right, verse 22 it says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you're good to us. God, even when we can't see it sometimes, even when we don't always believe it, even when we doubt, we know that you are good to us. And so we just proclaim that and we believe that this morning, God, that you are good. Lord, whatever we came in here carrying, our, our fear, 
our insecurities, our anxieties, God. Uh, we just take a moment and we lay it down. Our lives can be stressful and chaotic, and so we just take these few moments to look back to you, to put a pause on everything that we're struggling with and that we're carrying and our burdens and just look to you, God, and we pray that you just take them away. We lay them at your feet. Lord, I pray that you give us open ears, open hearts to hear and receive your word this morning, God. Holy Spirit, we just invite a deeper awareness of your presence into this room. Lord, come and change us and sharpen us. May we never be the same. May we leave this room looking more like you than when we walked in. God, because we just want to become more like you day by day. In your name, amen. Amen. Now, as I said, uh, I read this passage last week, and, and God laid something new on my heart, and it was super encouraging. And so we're just going to walk through this passage. Uh, but before we get there, we just want to set up a little bit of the story of what's going on. And so Jesus is about halfway or partway through his three-year ministry on earth, and he had just gotten done performing one of his most famous miracles, and that is when he fed over 5,000 people uh, with some fish and some bread, five loaves and two fish, and, and they multiplied that somehow. I don't know how because I'm not Jesus, so you can ask him someday um, how he did that. I, I, I would like to know. <laughs> but he multiplied that, and he fed over 5,000 people, and then right after that, he says, he, it says he tells his disciples to get on this boat and go to the other side of this lake. And after he does that, he goes by himself on a mountainside to pray. And so we find Jesus alone, praying, seeking God, I'd presume recentering himself, reminding himself of who he is reminding himself of who God is and just taking a moment to breathe. And I wonder real quick this morning, do we follow that example really well? Are we taking moments to breathe, to recenter ourselves, remind ourselves of who we are, of who God is? See, Jesus had an avid prayer life and I think we need to start to <laughs> apply that to our lives as well because I don't know, it's really hard for me to follow Jesus and it's really hard for me to live submissive when I'm not in relationship, constantly praying, constantly seeking out God, constantly, most importantly, reminding myself of how God sees me. And, and I'm making a presumption, but I think that's what Jesus was doing in this moment was just taking a breath. And so it's kind of hilarious, though, because Jesus is drawn back by himself, having this peaceful moment with, with God the Father. And there's a sharp contrast between where we find Jesus and where we find the disciples. Because while he's praying and having this great moment, the disciples are in the middle of, of this lake. It's the Sea of Galilee. And um, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> uh, it's... It's 13 miles wide by eight miles. And so 
13 miles by 8 miles and 33 miles in circumference. So it's a pretty big lake. Um, and the boat that they were on was likely a fishing boat. And the average size of a fishing boat back in the day was 30 feet by 8 feet. So it was around there, 27.5 technically, I think, was. And don't get too impressed. I just Googled this. And so, yes, I know how to use Google. Um, I say all that to say they were in a big lake with a small boat. And when the, as they were crossing, a storm came. And so Jesus is having this peaceful moment on the mountain while the disciples are on this small boat in the middle of a big lake during a storm. And I imagine them just freaking out. Um, Peter, I picture running back and forth as fast as he can, just screaming at the top of his lungs. Um, John, I imagine, is in the fetal position on the ground. And I just, I picture this just chaos going on. And Jesus is on this mountainside and he can sense what's going on and see the storm and I just picture him being like all right I'll come now <laughs> I'll come get you guys um, parents out there you ever like let your kid kind of go crazy for a minute um, maybe do something a little dangerous and then they get themselves in an irreversible situation and you're like okay it's time that's kind of how I picture Jesus he's like all right I'll go I'll go help him out and so that's where we find ourselves, is Jesus is going to help them by way of walking on water, which is pretty awesome. Um, so he's walking on water to get to his disciples on the boat to help him out. Um, and I love verse 26. It says this. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Now, I used to read this in my arrogance and think, like, poorly of them. You know what I mean? Like, you read it, come on, a ghost? You know what I mean? Really? You really thought that was a ghost? Now, when you think about it humbly, I don't blame them at all. Because <laughs> it was like, I'm going to be honest, this is vulnerable moment, a vulnerable moment for me. Like, two weeks ago, I was on a run, and it was late. And there was this bush. And I swear, I promise you, as I ran by this bush, it moved, the whole thing. And so I'm running, you know, jogging, not fast, so don't get too impressed. Just like hacking up a lung as I'm trying to run and stay in shape and fighting the dad bod. Um, <laughs> and this bush, it cast this shadow and, yeah, I don't know if it was possessed or what, but it followed me. And you can't convince me that it didn't. And so, and although I was tired, because I'm not in good shape, and I wasn't running fast, because I'm not in good shape, uh, all of a sudden your, my heartbeat picked up, and I just started booking it down this road <laughs> by myself, at night. You laugh, but you do the same thing. For some reason, a lot, a lot of times at night, uh, there's something about when the context shifts, how we see things that aren't really there. The context changes, and, and, and I see something, and I think that it's something that it's not. In the daytime, I've ran, I've done the same route 
It's not that long, and it's very, it's very quick. And I run this same route all the time, and I usually do it in the daytime. And I ran by that same bush multiple times, and it was a bush, and it didn't move. And it wasn't going to kill me. At nighttime, same bush, but different context. My mind created something that wasn't even there, and instead of seeing a bush, I thought it was Satan, and I was going to get taken out. I was like, God, I know that I, like, I'm being obedient, and so like, our battle, <laughs> our war is not with uh, powers or principalities, right? So I'm going to get taken out by this bush. Um, but really, it was just a bush. And see, through the context of fear that, that, that they created and that the storm created, they didn't see Jesus. In their mind, it was a ghost. So they looked at Jesus, and what they didn't see was Jesus. They didn't say, I think it is a ghost. They said, that is a ghost. And see, fear makes us irrational. And seeing things through the context and the lens of our fear makes up, make us make up insane things. Literally insane, like a bush is going to kill me. I'm 27 years old. You'd think that I'd get out of la-la land and wake up to reality and not get freaked out by bushes. But it was scary. And it was dark. And we all know how dangerous St. Louis Park <laughs> is. Context. The context created fear, and that created something that didn't exist. So that's where we find ourselves. The disciples, they were in the context. They were in the middle of this giant lake in a tiny boat during a storm. That context created fear, and it created something that didn't exist. And I love this, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Immediately. He didn't waste any time. If I was Jesus, maybe I would have messed with him for a few minutes and like let him think I was a ghost. But he said immediately, he revealed himself. He said, no, 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 no. That's me. <laughs> Like, you think I'm a ghost. But, no, like the bush, I knew it was a bush, but it didn't tell me it was a bush, so it scared me more. I wish it would have told me. <laughs> See, what they thought was a ghost was actually Jesus. But they didn't see Jesus because of Fear, they saw a ghost. And so I wonder this morning if that thing that you think is a ghost, that thing that you think is negative, that thing that, that's haunting you, that, think, that you think is going to take you out, the thing that, that's meant to destroy you, I wonder if that's Jesus. I wonder if the wall that you're facing that you're so scared 
of, of going through and embracing, I wonder if that's Jesus. I wonder if the confusing situation that, that, that's in your life, I wonder if that's Jesus. I wonder if, if losing your job, I wonder if that's Jesus. I wonder if someone breaking up with you, I wonder if that's Jesus. I wonder if your bank account slowly diminishing, I wonder if that's Jesus. See, are you seeing Jesus or are you seeing a ghost? Am I seeing Jesus through his eyes or am I seeing Jesus through the context of my fear? And I think a lot of times, at least in my life, what I think is a ghost ends up being Jesus. I lost a job once at a church. I was a youth pastor. And I lost my job, and then I ended up getting another job right away that was better. So that was good. But I'm saying that to say that me losing my job it was scary, but it was Jesus guiding me to where he wanted me to go. And we knew that, and we followed, and we obeyed, and it worked out. If you're wondering why I lost my job, talk to me afterwards. I don't want, it wasn't anything I did. We can talk after. Um, but it was confusing, and kind of crazy, but, but what? It was, it was Jesus. But a lot of times when we face these situations, what well, might be Jesus, but we see as a ghost, and so we confuse Jesus for destruction. A lot of times instead of facing it and embracing it, what I do over and over again, and what we often do, I'm sure, is we decide to run from it. And instead of embracing this situation, even though it's hard, even though it doesn't make sense, even though I think it's a ghost, even though I'm in the middle of a boat and it's raining and nothing can save me, and then to make matters worse, a ghost appears and this thing is going to kill me. Even though all this is happening, maybe that that ghost is Jesus, but yet we do all this and we create this situation and we end up running from the thing. We end up running from our Savior. And see, what if the thing that we think is meant to destroy us is really the only one who can deliver us? And what if we're running from our deliverance because we've created a, out of a context of fear something in a situation that's not even real? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. This is me. Don't be afraid. See, you might see a ghost and my fear might say that this is a ghost, but Jesus says that it is himself. And although I'm afraid, I have to believe that that is him. 
So what if what we think is going to destroy us is really meant to deliver us? And what if what we think is a, a ghost is really Jesus? So I wonder what would happen if instead of running from our fears, we embraced our fears. Because the closer that we get to Jesus, the more recognizable he is. They thought he was a ghost because he was far away. And he got closer and he revealed himself. And then they knew who it was. And he said, it's, it's me. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. You notice the sequence there? He says to take courage. And he reminds us, it's me. So I need to take courage. And when I take courage, I can see Jesus clearly. Because I'm not running from my fears. I'm, I'm, I'm taking courage and I'm, what, I'm embracing my fear. See, what if it's not running from our fear that leads us to deliverance, but running through our fear that leads us to deliverance? Take courage. Embrace your fear. It's I. It's me. And I'm seeing Jesus clearly when I embrace my fear. Then he says, don't be afraid. And I think when we do that, we can maybe right away or maybe slowly, but if we do that, then our fear will slowly disappear. Take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. In the summer, Maisie loves to go to the park. It's her favorite thing. I wish I was that pumped about life. Because um, I don't know what she sees when we get to the park, but it must be like a fairyland of endless possibilities. Not what I see. Um, I see a headache at best because I'm going to be running around dodging, screaming kids. Maisie loves it. And... One of her favorite things to do is she's, she's my kid, and so I guess I can only blame myself, but she's kind of insane. And I know you're like, no, she's not. She yeah, she is, okay? <laughs> she's very cute. She's my princess. I love her so much. I'll do anything for her. But she's a little nuts. And I held her up, and her favorite thing is for me to hold her up on this high. It's, it's, I have to hold her up above my head, and she grabs this pull-up bar. And then I let go, and she just hangs there until she falls, and I have to catch her every time. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? There's one that's lower, like this height, a normal height, and I put her on there, and she doesn't want to do that. She points and screams until I put her on this one that's like 10 feet in the air. I'm like, you, you're insane. Why do you like this? So she was doing that, and I thought, Oh, man, if she likes this, she'll really like the monkey bars. You know what I'm talking about? And so I'm underneath her, holding her up, and I'm trying to teach her 
how to let go and then grab the next one. You know what I'm talking about? And she just keeps holding on to where she's at. And I'm like, no, Maisie, you got to let go in order to grab on and like, we got to get to the end of this. And I'm trying to drag her, but she won't let go. And she is tiny, but, and she, but she is fierce and strong. Um, and she's got a death grip on the monkey bars. I'm like, Maisie! And I'm trying, if I yank her, she's going to fall. And I'm, so there's no cooperation. Kids are... Um, <laughs> but I'm just trying to get her to let go because I want to take her across these monkey bars. And I wonder if that's what God does with us. And, and we're holding on to our fear and focusing on our fear and worried about our fear. And so we're clutching on to this bar and God is trying to drag us along and saying, just let go and just trust me and I will take you to where I need you to be. You gotta let go of your fear in order to hold on to me and to follow me and to move forward in sequence with me. And so I wonder if he's speaking to us this morning to just simply let go of your fear and follow me because I can't let my fear lead me. I need to let my faith lead me. I need to let my God lead me and I need to let go and trust him. And then when we do that, he will take us to where we can't even imagine. Maisie didn't know what was going on, so she didn't want to go with me. Sometimes God is taking us to places where we don't even know, and our job is to simply let go and grab hold of what he puts in front of us. Take courage. See, we can't let go of our fear until we... Grab a hold of courage. Take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. Then here's the best part. Also the part that's always confused me. It says this in verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. Never mind, I just read that. I'm sorry. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Now, I used to read this, and every time I read it, I thought the same thing. There's 12 named disciples. There could have been more on the boat. I don't, I don't know how many were on the boat. I wasn't there. You don't know how many were on the boat? You weren't there. Um, but we know that there was at least 12 there. One of them got off of the boat. Now, I used to think and be really confused. I thought, Peter's the only one that walked on water even for a little bit, so he was the only one that had faith. So I, I never made sense to me that he would get off the boat, walk on water, and then be told, 
you have little faith. That doesn't add up to me. It never has. I've tried to preach it every which way. I dissected the difference between faith and courage and talked about how Peter had then lots of courage to get off the boat, but little faith because he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the waves. I think there's some truth to that, but I don't think that that's what Jesus is saying in this passage. I don't think that that's the best interpretation of this. Because he still had faith. Now, I think it is true when we're off the boat, we do need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And of course, if we take our eyes off him, we are going to fall. And so I'm not saying that that's not true. What I'm saying is that I don't think it's the fact that Peter fell that showed that he had little faith. I think it's the fact that he had to get off of the boat in the first place. Jesus said, it is me. Peter said, if it is you, then you better tell me to come to you. Jesus revealed himself, and Peter didn't believe him. Jesus said that this is me, and Peter didn't believe him. So Peter's doubt wasn't that he took his eyes off Jesus. Peter's doubt was that he doubted it wasn't a ghost. He was so wrapped up in his fear that he couldn't even see Jesus clearly after he revealed himself to him. And so we think that, I used to think that Peter had lots of faith because he got off the boat, but Peter had no faith because he got off the boat because he didn't recognize who Jesus was. See, I wonder if faith is simply staying on the boat. So many times we think that faith is telling us to get off of the boat, and we let our circumstance, the storm, uh, uh, motivate us to take a step of faith that we think is faith, but it's actually a step of doubt. See, I think that what looks like Peter's greatest step of faith to us often was actually the greatest externalization of deep Doubt. Because he said, Jesus, I don't believe you. And this storm is dictating what I believe. This storm tells me it's time to get off of this boat. This storm tells me that I'm going to drown. This storm tells me that I'm going to die. My fear tells me that this is the last moment of my life. But I want to ask us this morning, are you asking what Jesus is telling you? Or are you simply letting your doubt lead you? See, the craziest thing is that Jesus allows Peter to be led by his doubt. He tells him to come to him. He tells him to come to him, but he only told him to come because Peter doubted and didn't believe him. And so I wonder if a lot of times we let circumstance and doubt lead us to places where we're not ready to sustain ourselves. Peter was not ready to walk on water. That's why he fell. 
And maybe we take steps out of the boat before we're ready to take steps out of the boat. It didn't make any sense for Peter to get off the boat when he did. What would have made sense for him to stay on the boat and get off the boat when they got to land? That makes sense. But a lot of times we try to get off of the boat in the middle of the lake and then we blame God for us falling on our face. But God's the one that saved us and picked us up out of the water. Am I talking to anyone this morning? So again, we go back to my proposition that it wasn't that Peter fell that showed his lack of faith. It was that he got off the boat in the first place and that he asked Jesus and doubted Jesus. See, Peter called himself off of the boat, yet Jesus made a way, and then Peter fell. And it says this, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I love that. It's when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Not when they got back on the other side. It was when, what, they got back into the boat and Peter realized that this is where I need to be. I don't need to go anywhere. I don't need to move. Faith is not getting off of the boat. Maybe faith is staying on the boat even when it doesn't make sense. I don't know what that looks like or how that plays out in your life. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. But I think that faith is simply staying put and being fully engaged where God has you right now in this moment until he tells you to leave. Not until you get scared and ask him if you can get to him because he'll provide a way for you to get to him. But I think we need to stay put until he tells us to leave. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if it, everything in us tells us that we're going to drown and we're going to die and this boat is going down and I'm not going to make it to the other side. Faith is staying put where you are, where God has called you and led you to. I think we overcomplicate our calling and we want a step to take. We want a career pathway. We want it all laid out. But what if our calling is simply just to stay in the boat and have faith where we are at and trust God where we are at and become more like Jesus where we are at and spread his love where we are at? What if that is our calling? We don't need to overcomplicate it. We can just be like, Jesus, I'm here. There's a storm. I think I'm going to drown. But you told me to come here. So I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay put. So I think that is faith. My favorite part of the whole passage is even though Peter doubted and, and he got off the boat, and even though once he was off the boat, he was actually walking on water. When he was on water, he took his eyes off Jesus, and he fell. 
And I love the picture of, even though he doubted, even though he got off the boat too early, Jesus still saved him. Jesus still loved him. Jesus still cared about him. See, there's still grace for your mistake. There's still grace when you misstep. Jesus still loves you even when you doubt him. Jesus is still there even when you make a mistake and you step off the boat and you're not supposed to. He is there when you fall. He will pick you back up and bring you back to where you're supposed to be. And you know what? It's like two chapters after this. Peter, Jesus tells Peter that you are Peter and you're the rock that I'm going to build the church on. The guy that doubted him and that Jesus had to save his life and pick him up out of the water was the foundation of what we're on today. That's God's grace. He doesn't care when we make a mistake. He's still there to pick us up and he will continue to use us. All we have to do is just keep on following him and keep in faith and stay where he puts us. God's there to pick you up. So there's some of us this morning that feel like you're drowning. I don't know if it's because of a misstep that you took or a situation that you found yourself in. But you feel like you're drowning, you're going down. And the only thing that can save you is the hand of God. If that's you, you're in the perfect place because I believe that spiritually God wants to reach down and pick you up out of the water and bring you back today. If that's you, We're just going to spend some time worshiping Jesus. And you know when we raise our hands? That's literally us saying, Jesus, I need you to help me right now. So as you worship, you can raise your hands. And and in your spirit, what you're doing is you're you're lifting your heart up and you're lifting your spirit up. And you're saying, Jesus, I need you to save me. I need you to help me. I feel like I'm drowning, and the only thing that can get me out of this mess is your hand. And so I trust you, and I'm calling out to you. So wherever you're at this morning, however you most comfortably respond, I want to invite you to do that. So if you're comfortable standing and raising your hands towards Jesus, if you need him to come down, I want you to stand right now. Um, and let's lift our hands wherever you're at. If you, if you like to reflect and pray and you feel more comfortable doing that, you can stay seated. But what we're going to do is just spend a few minutes chasing down God and inviting him into our situation.